There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. Just a quick thank you to our sponsors at the moment. As you know, we are being kindly sponsored by Waterfall Plastic Free Wipes. They are 99% purified water and are both fragrance and alcohol free. The wipes are made from natural cellulose plant fibres, making them so much softer and kinder to delicate skin. Waterfall baby wipes are hypoallergenic, having been extensively tested by dermatologists and are approved by the Skin Health Alliance and Allergy UK. They've also been accepted by the International Eczema Association and are also certified by Cruelty Free International and the Vegan Society. Waterfall baby wipes are 100% plastic free, 100% biodegradable and also 100% compostable. Breaking down in a matter of weeks, they are the best choice for our planet and your baby's future. So from using the wipes myself, I've also discovered that they're much larger than other wipes and also so robust, which is what we need on those messy jobs. Available for purchase in Tesco, select super values and can be bought in bulk on Amazon too. Kindful, mindful and waterful. So in this week's episode, I chat to Dorina and she talks me through her one pregnancy and the birth of her little girl, Fola. Just to be aware, this episode is a particularly tough listen in certain parts. Dorina had a really mixed experience in a number of different maternity hospitals in the country. So I do, I am conscious of those who are expecting their baby. Um, Dorina really wanted an unmedicated vaginal birth. Uh, she was induced because her blood pressure was a little bit erratic in the final stages of her third trimester and she then had a c-section there was meconium in her waters as well so Dorina shares all of the details surrounding her experience and also touches on her breastfeeding experience and yeah the lack of support uh, so I'll let you hear all the details I will chat to you next week and thank you Dorina for sharing your story Dorina, you are very welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thank you. So will we just drive in and if you want to give us a little introduction to you and your family. So uh, my name's Dorina and uh, my partner Damien and I have one uh, 
Child Together, uh, Girl Born uh, in August 2020. So talk me through your pregnancy. Was your pregnancy planned? Uh, yes, we'd been trying for quite a while. Um, we're, 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 wasn't having the best of times. Um, so I, um, I would be considered overweight. So I think every doctor I went to was just deciding it was weight related and kind of batting it off. Um, I got a, um, friendly, I suppose, doctor who did actually send me for tests eventually. Unfortunately, she read them wrong and had told me I was ovulating. So when I went to, we had gone to a clinic, um, and the nurse was just horrific um this private kind of fertility clinic and she like I was explaining and I was like you know I've been for the three-day test I'm ovulating and she burst into laughter and she went you're not ovulating and um just hit me like with a ton of bricks um so yeah that was pretty shocking we paid 200 euro uh, felt very belittled walked out and um and my partner was like, we'll go anywhere else in the country, but we're never going back there. And I was like, yeah, fine. And um, went back to my GP, was very upset, obviously, because the results had been read wrong. I'd known about Clomid or Clomid. And I was just like, why can't you just put me on that? Like, I just assumed that's what they would do. Um, and she was like, well, look, that's pointless if you're not actually ovulating. So um she but I was having a regular enough period um so she what she did was she put me on the pill for three months and um she was like look this might kick start things for you so she did that and I came off it I think in August or September 2019 and then I was pregnant that October end of October beginning of November and was it uh, a late period that encouraged you to take a pregnancy test or did you feel different so yeah, I was in work and um, I had given up smoking a couple of years ago. My partner hated it, but I had started smoking again, but in work uh, only. And I was going down for a cigarette um, with a girl I worked with. And I just got this really weird feeling across my whole body. And like just, I'd never felt anything like it. I wouldn't say it was dizzy, but like it was a lightheaded kind of, and it went from my toes right up to my head. And I was like, oh, that's really weird. I feel really weird. And I just said it to my colleague and she's like, oh, you're probably pregnant. And I was like, oh, no, like, sure, we've been trying. We're, we're not having any luck in that department. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, you're grand, you're grand. And then it just stuck in my head. And then I checked my app and I was like, oh, I am late because <laughs> I just had stopped checking. Because when you get so many negative results, like, you know, when you're every month getting because my period would like to do that trick on me where I'd be a day late. So I go and do a pregnancy test just to get the period later that day or to get the negative and so I just done so many that I had to stop um so I was like oh that's interesting so I waited another day um but I kind of stopped smoking just in case so I was like no not going just in case um and then it was a Wednesday morning and I was like okay I'm not doing it unless it's my first pee of the day <laughs> I'm not like I bought it um and I didn't say anything to my partner and I just got up at like, I think it was half four in the morning and I was like, okay, I have to, I have to do this. This thing was sitting at my bedside table and I went in and I got the faintest positive line. But when you have had so many negatives, like anything, a dot would have done for me. And I was like, I'm pregnant. 
<laughs> and he was like, what, what? Um, so yeah, I called the doctor like pretty much 9 a.m. that day and she said to come on down. So I went down to her that afternoon and she did one and it was negative. So I was heartbroken. Um, so she said to me, look, sometimes that can happen. The at-home tests are actually better than the doctor's tests. Um, so yeah, I've heard which that I've, before. I've actually found out since the doctors use the pound shop ones. So that's why. <laughs> so um, I went back to her, I think, fr- the Friday. And we re... No. Yeah, I went back to her the Friday. We redid tests. I had done about seven at home in the meantime, between the digital and the clear blue normal ones and the pink ones, the bang, and they were all positive. Like even the digital was saying one to two weeks. Um, so I went back to her on the Friday and hers was still negative, but I brought in my bag of ones. <laughs> I was just like, I am like, it. there's something going on here. So she was like, right, we'll do bloods. So she did bloods on the Friday and I had to go back, I think then on the Tuesday or something or the Wednesday, maybe the Tuesday to get bloods again. And she gave me a load of pregnancy tests. She was like, stop wasting your money on pregnancy tests. I would say stop actually taking them, but I know you're not going to do that. So I'm just going to give you a load of mine. Um, and hers were negative all weekend until that Monday morning. Um, they started showing a very faint positive line on her once. And so we went back on the Tuesday to get more bloods because she said that there was HCG in my bloods, but it was really low. Um, so I went back on the Tuesday and then she rang me the Thursday and she was like, it's quadrupled um, in that time. So you're pregnant. Um, so, yeah, it was like a whole week and a day later before we actually were like, OK, we're pregnant. And so how did you feel then? And did you start then allowing yourself to think about hospital care? It was just a meaning anxiety, I think, about anything happening to the pregnancy. Um, I think kicked in immediately. I remember saying to my friend after I told people um, and she was like, yeah, you're a mum now. <laughs> she was like, this is your life now. <laughs> she was like, you will just have constant anxiety mixed with a bit of joy, <laughs> mainly constant anxiety. And I was like, okay. Um, so I like, I had always decided we were all born in one hospital in Dublin. Now we weren't living in Dublin at the time, but we'd all been born there. All the grandkids had been born there. So I, in my head, I was going there, even though we weren't near that yet. But it was always our plan to move closer to Dublin. And I suppose the pregnancy kickstarted that for us. So what I did was register in the hospital in the county that I was in at the time because I didn't know how long I was going to be there. So I wanted them to have a record of me. Um, but I knew that I would transfer. So I did my uh, 12. So we played for a private scan at six weeks and um, and he actually put us back a week uh, date. So I must have just ovulated really late. Uh, so he put us back a week. Um, and then I did my booking scan in this hospital. But I was actually there, I think, three weeks before my booking scan because I woke up one day and I had like severe cramps and I just felt awful. Um, so we had gone to A&E and it was on a Saturday and they basically left us there waiting all day 
And then eventually someone came and a doctor came and was like, you'll just have to come back Monday. We don't have us. We're not scanning on the weekend, like to find out if you start bleeding, uh, just like, you know, once it's not too heavy, just like deal with it at home, basically. Um, so that was heartbreaking and awful. And um, I was in there Monday morning at like half eight, I think I went and um went in and the stenographer went mad because she was like we always have someone on for this reason so women don't have to go home and be upset or worrying she was like we always have people on um and everything was fine thankfully um so then I was back three weeks later for the 12 week booking scan and then once that was done I transferred my file to the hospital in Dublin so once your file was transferred up, when were you seen again then in the hospital? What ended up happening was that we moved, but we didn't get as close to Dublin as we wanted. But we kept with the hospital because we'd already transferred once. Um, but I had to actually go to the hospital in the new county um, because I had a bleed. Or so, no, I the movement, the day we moved, she stopped moving. Um, now I didn't know Fola was a she at the time but um, you know you're moving and you're really busy so you're not really paying much attention to things and it was that evening about six o'clock and I kind of was like oh I haven't felt her uh, in a while so I did all the things fizzy drink lying your side hot drink cold drink poking music all nothing nothing was getting her to move Um, so I rang the maternity hospital we were registered with they saw my address and they told me to go to this other hospital within our county immediately. So um, I presented there. I rang ahead and told them, um, but I think the hospital I'd registered it had actually rang as well and told them. So when I got there and I met the loveliest midwife and the nicest consultant and they had me on um, the, the monitor, the trace within, I think, four seconds of walking in the door just so I could hear the heartbeat to know that everything was okay um yeah utter relief utter relief um and um she obviously started moving once the trace went on um, um but they did a scan they did like I was I think three days away from my like anomaly scan and she like did basically one for me um yeah and like gave me all the measurements and everything and like took loads of pictures for me and put a file together and she's like just in case you ever need to come back so we have your file and I was like that is so lovely I actually went out and I was like if we hadn't transferred already I think I would have transferred back here they were just so lovely like so lovely um and but then like I think about six weeks later I woke up and I had had a bleed and so I rang the hospital registered with again and they told me the same thing go straight to the other hospital so I went there and they were horrific <laughs> like I got told I shouldn't be there I'm not their issue um I'm not registered there uh they can't be wasting their midwife's time on other people's patients um it was just and like this is without telling me that everything was okay like I was having this bleed and I wasn't getting any information about it um but eventually they found they checked and they said look they couldn't see the reason for the bleed 
but they said they wanted to keep me because of that and I just didn't really want to stay there after being made feel so such an issue um so they did like the do you know the uh, spectrum they wanted to check the line of the womb but like and I, I'd forgotten it from my smear test. Like, so I was on a bed that was against the wall. So you couldn't spread out your legs, like one side of my legs. There was no pillow put under me. There was nothing. It was just literally, when I mean it was just pushed in, it was just, the spectrum was pushed in. I was instant agony. Like I couldn't even let her finish. And I've had smears and I've been fine. It's never bothered me. I was in agony. I like, I left that hospital even though they wanted to keep me and I said I would go straight to my own hospital that I was registered with. so I, I left and we drove all the way to the registered hospital I was in A&E there and then they saw me and they checked and they said everything's fine and trace and then they said they had to do a smear because they had to make sure that they could make sure that nothing was broken and I burst into tears at the doctor and I was like please no it was so sore like I can't I can't do it and she was like, it shouldn't be sore. And I was like, it was agonizing. And she was like, look, just let me do it. I have to do it to check. And I was like, okay, okay. And I was so upset. And she did it and I didn't feel a thing because the pillow was put under me. I had room to spread my legs the proper way. Like everything was done properly. Um, but thankfully, again, everything was fine. Um. So yeah, I'd kind of in my head decided I <laughs> going back to the hospital in that county uh, anytime soon. Um, but then unfortunately at 37 weeks, I was at that standard GP uh, appointment and my blood pressure was through the roof. Um, so it would have been absolutely fine the rest of the pregnancy, but just this time it was through the roof. Mm. So um, my doctor told me that I wasn't I had to, she told me I had to leave, go to the car park, ring the hospital, but I was, I'm um, check with them. So I went out and I rang my, the hospital I was registered with. And I gave, she had written down the numbers for me, like, so I gave them the numbers and she was like, where are you? And I was like, in the car park. And she's like, you're not allowed to drive with those numbers. And I was like, uh, well, how do I get you? And she was like, uh, you'll have to get a lift something but you cannot drive with those numbers and I was like okay and I was like but I live I said where I lived so I was like I can't just get a taxi to you like and she was like well just go to that other hospital and I was like they won't take me I was like they have to take you and they had to go through, through this whole argument again I was like they will not take me and she was like they have to so I I was like well I'll go and ring them so I hung up and I went and rang to see if I get a different midwife this time or a different consultant or a different doctor. And I rang and I explained the situation and they told me I wasn't allowed in, that they wouldn't take me, that I had to find my way to the other hospital. So uh, unfortunately, my partner was away at work at that day. So I had to ring my mom and my mom had to drive from Dublin <laughs> to me an hour and a half away and then bring me an hour and a half back the other way. Um, and yeah. It was just pretty awful because I was was told to bring my bags um, and my partner was like four hours away <laughs> from us. And I was just, it was awful. It's just awful. So when you got to the Dublin hospital, what did they say? Had your blood pressure, blood pressure returned to normal? Oh, my heart rate was fine. My blood pressure was fine. 
everything was fine. Um, um, but this became a cycle then. So basically every time I was in clinic, because um, I then, because I was at that point where you started going every week. So our my clinic was always a Monday. <clears throat> so every Monday, <laughs> my partner would drive me up uh, to uh, the hospital. I would go in. My first blood pressure reading would be through the roof or send me for the day ward to get the blood pressure. I think it's called a blood pressure series where they take your blood pressure three times over the space of like an hour or something or an hour and a half. And they would always be fine. And then I'd be uh, allowed to go again. I think I got to week 40 plus something plus couple of days and it was the same thing and I just was like I cannot keep coming up and down here for this like this is ridiculous <laughs> um and um they sent me for a scan because uh, a doctor just really passe in passing was like oh high blood pressure can um negatively impact the baby so go for a scan and I was like sorry what I was like I've been having high blood pressure for three weeks why why is this only being discussed now or worried about now um so I sent for a scan and everything was fine they kept telling me my baby was small um and like you know I've heard before to take a pinch of salt with these sizings of babies like but you know they it would depend on your sonographer. So like one person would be like, oh, it's small, but average. And one person would be like, oh, it's small. It's bordering on like worrying small. Um, so yeah, I, um, they wanted me back then the next day for the same thing. And they, I think that by, by 41 weeks, I'd been told three times that if I arrived to the hospital the next day and my blood pressure was high, I was going to be induced. And it hadn't happened yet, but my blood pressure was high each time. But then they do the series and then they'd send me home. Um, so I'd gone into hospital like three times with bags to be sent home. Um, so I think... I'm sure your blood pressure goes up in anticipation of these yeah, things as well. And I was 41 weeks plus. I was over it. You know, you're just like, at any given moment, <laughs> the most horrific pain could hit me. And like, you're, just, you're so, you don't know what to... But when you're a first time mom, like um, you just don't know what to expect. Um, so, yeah, I rang. I wasn't private, but I had met the consultant on my first visit. So I actually just rang her secretary and I said, look, I'm not private and public, but this is the consultant on my file on my like, you know, you get named a consultant um, and this is the situation I've been had high blood pressure basically every time at the first time all my series have been fine but I've been up and down like a yo-yo for the last three weeks and someone has plaza plaza as plaza as Edna has now told me that I could be damaging the baby there's some concerns about a bit small other concerns that it's fine like I just what's going on and she to be fair the consultant actually be back uh, about an hour later and she said she had looked at my file and she had no idea why I hadn't been induced already and um, why they were taking such risks when my because she said you're like you could like you know that white doctor sin white coat syndrome um but she said my blood pressure was so high on those first readings like like it's 
it was concerning. So she had no idea why we were taking this risk of in, out, in, out, in, out all the time. Um, so that she was marking, I think I was back due back the next day or something. And uh, so she had marked it on my file that I was to be induced. So I went back in the next day and had the same whole thing. And then um, I said to the doctor who was dealing with me that day, I said, but the consultant said, me and juice and he's like yeah I can see that on your file and um knowing what I know now I can see where he was coming from but he was like I think you should just go home you know you might just go um but anyway he sent me he said that they were full for the Monday so I think he was lying um so that was the Friday so he booked me in for the Tuesday I think he was trying to get me to go at home um, but no, nothing happened. So I went in on the Tuesday morning then and yeah, didn't see uh, a soul then until the 48 hours later. So Damien obviously just dropped you at the door. Was that the case? Yeah. Yeah. Dropped me at the door with my big bag and I had to wheel it down. And um, so yeah, we got brought up to the dreaded ward that I'd been told to avoid my whole pregnancy. Um, but I ended up there. Um, and yeah, I just was left at my case at the door. Um, kind of thought that I'd see Damien later that day or at the worst case scenario the next day. But no, that wasn't to be. Um, so I went up. I think they gave me the pessary at like 9 a.m am and i went walking i just walked the entire hospital all day after the hour that you have to sit when it goes in um i walked i did the ball i had brought in my own ball i i asked for a birthing stool i so i only ever sat either on my ball or the birthing stool for the entire day uh, in between my walking um and then it was about I think 1am or so and I was like oh something's actually happening and I was delighted with myself and I went for a little walk I was squatting up and down the stairs and like within 20 minutes I had uh, contractions every minute like it was that's intense so fast and I was like all of a sudden I got this like unbelievable pain and um, pressure in um, my bum like and I felt like I needed to push so I was lying on my bed like I had this like hypnobirthing music on and I had it in my ears and I was like no this is not helping like this is not doing anything oh it's just from nothing from like literally twinges to full-on cannot breathe contractions every minute and I'm a midwife like walk by and was like oh my god are you in labor and I was like oh, oh and it was like mooing like a cow and um she like really quickly took the pessary out and did an exam internal examination and she was like okay no it's just she was like it's rare but some women the pessary makes you over contract and um, but like you're nowhere near being ready to have a baby and it's really bad for the baby so we have to just like we have can't put it back in we have to leave it now until the next morning 
So I think within half an hour of her taking out everything had stopped. No twinge is nothing. So, um, and. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex ultra soft tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex ultra soft tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. But like whatever it had done, it didn't agree with baby because the trace was going mad on baby. The heart rate was up and down. Um, I was watching it and watching it. it was awful. Um, so there was no sleep pad night one. Um, morning two, they came, they did a gel. And they said they would come back in 12 hours and do another gel, basically, um, if nothing had progressed. And um, I was like, okay. Um, but like when you're in there alone and you have no you've no break you know like hospital seems so long as it is but when you have no break from like someone coming in or you just feel so vulnerable um and you don't want to be you feel sorry for the midwives because they're run off their feet um and you don't want to be a burden on anyone and you can hear women lay um uh, pregnant people laboring beside you so like you don't want to be like sorry i'm an emotional wreck over here um but like it was 48 hours but it felt like forever like forever um it's not necessarily a comfortable environment to be in and time can go very slow especially when you feel that way as well yeah and like you know i'd loads of things on netflix to watch i'd say i had watched it's creek uh once and i'd saved it for this time (laughs) i was like okay i'm gonna re-watch it all and here and like i had plans I had books I had podcasts I had everything to keep me but it doesn't matter 
because like you're just you're waiting to feel something and then like you're not feeling anything and you don't know what to ask or when to ask and you've no one there to kind of advocate for you um and that's like it was just and then you have like I hadn't told many people but I told a couple of people and you know you're like your friends know like not to text you they might throw a text the same thinking of you but like my mom's like what's happening like what's going on you got to the point like I couldn't answer the phone to her because I just I couldn't talk to anyone on the phone because I was so upset because I just wanted to see someone I just wanted a hug or someone to come in and ask the questions that I just couldn't get out because and I, I can advocate for myself I'm good at it but um when you're in that position you just feel so small and lost um so like I remember saying like um to Damien at one point it's like the only interaction I get is when someone comes and puts their hand up because like that was the longest interaction I got was when a doctor came to do an internal examination um so yeah they came back um for the second gel and nothing had changed like my sir nothing had changed in my cervix um from the pessary from the first gel absolutely nothing and um I looked at this doctor and I burst into tears and I just said I have to have this baby tomorrow like, I can't do this again I can't do another day and another night of this and um I think he could see it in me and he just went I promise you'll have a baby tomorrow um and I wasn't I probably would have waited <laughs> a few more days what I really meant is that I I needed my partner to be in with me tomorrow I needed someone with me um so and like I think every midwife that went by I was like and every doctor you promise you promise tomorrow you promise tomorrow like and they were like, yeah, no, it will definitely happen tomorrow. And I was like, I can't, like, I just can't keep doing this. Um, sorry. Um, so, yeah, it was the next morning and they came. And again, nothing had changed in my cervix. Absolutely nada. And um, it was actually the same doctor that I had broken down with. So he was like, I'm going to really try and break your waters here. But there will be pressure because, like, it's not very favorable. But he did manage to break them. Um, and then there was meconium uh, in the waters. And that, what's that? Um, is that bacteria thing or something they have to give you an antibiotic for um, as well? Do you know the way they bring it away to test it? Um, strep B, is it? Yes, yeah, something like that. So I was given the antibiotic. And um, yeah, he basically said to me, I think they said to me, right, well, you're definitely going to have a baby in, I think, this amount of hours, they said, because there was meconium in her waters. But they said that was also normal because she was so overdue at this point. Um, so he said to me, um, we're going to move you to the labour ward um, or the delivery ward today. Um, and the next, I think he said to me at 12 or something, um, once there's a bed free so tell your partner to come on down so that he's here for when that happens and he said we'll give you oxytocin but you have to have an epidural and I was like I really don't want an epidural really wanted to try and do it myself with a bit of gas and air but I was also open to the fact that I've never felt this before so if I wanted to go down that route 
and um, I would. And he just said to me, he was like, I'm not giving you oxytocin unless you take the epidural. Um, so I had no option. At that point, all I heard was Damien's coming in. So I, they could have told me anything. And I was like, yeah. And uh, so I was waiting. I think that was 9 a.m. And I was like, okay, three hours, three hours, three hours. And um, yeah, got moved to the delivery ward at about 12 once I was bed. Um, so they started fasting me then. Um, so I wasn't allowed to eat because my sister had told me to bring loads of snacks for the delivery ward. Um, which yeah. was a complete waste because I wasn't allowed to eat once they'd broken my waters. Uh, and I assume that's because just in case you end up in a section or whatever. So, um, yeah, we brought, went down to delivery ward, Damien came in and I was just, the relief. I think he was in the room for five minutes and I was like, okay, now I can sleep. Uh, I have someone here who's in my corner who has my interests at heart and like I know midwives and doctors have your best interests at heart but they have medical interests at heart they don't look at you as a whole person um and they don't know your your wants or anything like that so I literally saw him and the um I went to sleep and then the anesthetist came in and I had to get the epidural in uh, had a really bad reaction to it um, nearly fainted um, felt completely drugged like I felt so high um, and that lasted for a good hour and I remember getting really upset because um, I was like I don't want to welcome my first child feeling like this I feel like I'm on drugs and the midwife like promised me that would pass um, so eventually in fairness that did pass um, and they kept doing the ice block test and I was completely numb um, in that area and um, the doctor kept telling me or the midwife kept telling me I was contracting away and like that environment in that room I had like the nicest midwife so the student midwife and a, a non-student midwife um, and um, a qualified midwife there's the word and they were lovely and I didn't feel they were there they were so not intrusive I really felt like it was just me and Damien in the room I had the lights turned off I had my music in and I just went for a sleep because I hadn't slept since Tuesday morning um or I'd say for more than 15 minutes so I just went for a sleep and um next thing I knew they weren't really really they weren't really happy with baby's heart Every time I was contracting, apparently her heart was dipping. So she said I was contracting every two minutes. Um, but like they leave you a very long time before they check. I think it's like six hours or something or the first time they actually go to do a check. But she said after four hours she was going to do a check because um, she wasn't happy with baby's heart rate. She had a check and nada. <laughs> Nothing had changed. And... Um, I think I'd been one centimeter since I'd come into the hospital and I was still one centimeter. <laughs> and then, oh, it's, I don't know how many more hours passed, but a couple more hours checked um, passed. And they really weren't happy with baby at this point. So they wanted to do that scrape test. Um, and that's when my dignity completely left. And I'm not sure I've picked it back up 
again from that. And so you have this peanut ball on you. There was about five people in the room. It was just, it was horrific. Um, and then they took about, you know, the way they, they take, um, they take the scrapings and they run out and they test it straight away and they come back in and they can say, yeah, we got a reading or we didn't. So like they just kept not getting readings. So they had to keep doing them. Um, but uh, eventually they got a reading and they were happy enough with it. So they said they'd leave us alone for another while. And I think it was another three hours or so had passed. And they were like, okay, you're like two centimeters. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I was like, what like and then they kind of started talking about sections and I was kind of like no I really don't want that um so they left me for another while and then they came in and they said we can leave you for another hour but we're not guaranteeing you that your baby won't be down um will be okay and I just said well that's not an option like I said so do what you have to do um and I signed the papers and I'd say within 20 seconds, the room was full with 20 people. So they'd obviously decided this was happening anyway. And I was in theatre within five minutes and follow was out within 15. I'd say it was go, 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 go. Um, and um, they couldn't give me the normal stuff they'd give people for c-section so they just gave me like extra epidural um that's actually what i was going to ask you next to the top of your epidural yes, they just topped me up but like through a drip um it, you know i think they leave a little drip in your back or something don't they like a little line yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure um, when they get i think they do um like you can't feel anything so i didn't feel it but i i think they leave a little line so they just top that up um because you could feel like the cold fluid through your body. Um, it's not the birthing experience you plan for. It's not how you think your baby's going to arrive because obviously they've tried to stay calm and pretend that nothing's wrong. But like clearly there's something wrong when you have been gone from we'll leave you an hour to you're in theatre within 10 minutes. Um, and like I don't know how many people are in the room, but it feels like a lot. Um, and now the one good thing I will, the really good thing I will say, the only person that spoke to me in that room was the theatre anaesthetist and uh, our midwife. So our midwife comes with you and they do all the communication back and forth between the team and you so that you don't have to be dealing with another team of people. And like they had said, you know, because the midwives had found out earlier that day, they were like, what do you want to do when baby comes out? And I was like, I want, like, um, I want Damon to tell me what it is. And so, like, they had made that really clear to the theatre pe- team that that's why, what my wish was. So they knew not to tell me as baby was coming out and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, like, it was really quick. Um, now, you can feel pulling and tugging and all that kind of stuff but it's not it's not painful it's just like uncomfort um so they pulled and um like it was really quick and then they kind of said they said to Damien um get your camera ready um baby's gonna be here in a minute so like they Damien got the most amazing pictures of like I know they're so amazing like they're just the best pictures because she is so crossing them 
Like he is like, what are you doing? Put me back. <laughs> like, I'm like a, literally in one of them, she looks like she's saying, like, I made it clear I wasn't coming. Like, what the hell is this? Um, and um, yeah, so, and then like, they yeah, were like, yeah. okay, Damien, tell Dorina what she has. And he was really nervous. He was like, I don't want to get this wrong. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, and I was like waiting and I was like, like hello <laughs> and he was like a girl a girl and then like they lowered the thing and I was like are you sure because everything was just so swollen <laughs> so, well, yeah are you sure <laughs> um and he was like that's why it took me so long <laughs> to decide um but yes she is definitely um she was definitely born a girl um and yeah so I could hear her crying but I couldn't hold her because they brought her off to I got like a quick peek over the thing but then they brought her off to get weighed and all that stuff and checked and then they they did put her on like because I kept saying I want just like skin skin I want skin skin um so they did put her on me for a few minutes and then they gave her to Damien and they said look Damien you go out to recovery while Dorina gets finished off here but like that was half an hour um so um, and then I got that, you know, those shivers. Um, now they like they were really reassuring, telling me it was all normal and all that kind of stuff. But like, just this chattering teeth, and you feel like you're like, oh, this doesn't feel right. And... I vaguely remember speaking to someone for before, and they mentioned that you can request something to counteract that. I assume it's like the opposite of adrenaline, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, but yeah, they, I, it's possible they did give me something to counteract that I'm not like I can't really remember I was just like just get me out to my baby like that's all I wanted and then as I was lying there I was like uh nobody knows we have a baby like nobody knows we have a little girl I was like I need to call people I need to tell the news like so um I finally got back out and like Damon was there as proud as punch and like you're in recovery with like four other people and Damon's like, and like they could all hear you because it's not walls, it's like those pull sheets. And he's like, we've the best baby in here. We've the best baby. <laughs> um, so yeah, so eventually got my skin to skin. That was the last time Damon got to hold her for a while. <laughs> so I was like, give her to me. <laughs> um, and I got my skin to skin and I got to ring my mom and my dad, and we rang Damon's mom or Damon's parents. Um so yeah, it was just that finally got the some sort of norm, normality because, but also you feel like you still do feel like you're recovering from surgery. Like you have that kind of groggy feeling, but like it's overtaken by the fact that you have this tiny little human that you need now to, you need to care for. Um, and I got asked how I wanted to feed. So I'd said I wanted to breastfeed. So uh, a midwife came over and latched her on for her first feed um, and that went well um, and then yeah we were just in our own little bubble of um, joy I suppose and we were there for hours and yeah it was just lovely it was really nice um, the midwives in recovery were so nice and yeah we were just overjoyed and then 
I kind of forgot that anyone was going to make Damien leave because he'd been there for so long at this point. And I was like, it's great. Like, surely they're not going to make... Like, I, I suppose I wasn't thinking about it, but, like, logically, if I had, I would have been like, there's no way they're going to make him leave. I've just had surgery, like. But um, a midwife came from the ward then that I was going to, the postnatal ward, and they brought me down, uh, wheeled me down, and fell on me, and um, got into the ward, and, like, Fola was, like, taken off me. She was put into this cot, like Damon was like pushed away from her a midwife came over and dressed her so like neither of us got to dress her for the first time um and I was moved to this bed and then the cop was like pushed up beside me and they came over and they were like Damien you have to leave now and I was just like what and they were like Damien you have to leave now and then they turned to me and they were like you have, um, you've just had major abdominal surgery. Do not get out of this bed until we come and get you out tomorrow morning. Um, and you're like, father was in this plastic cot because I mean, they were like, feed her every three hours. Gone. Like that was, it. and I was like, how? And I, I just like, just so shocked and like horrified and, I just didn't know like I, I was like how do I get her out of the cot like I'm not let out of the bed how, how I've only been shown how to feed her once I like what what do I do like I just it was just awful and um like you could see like Damien was just like couldn't believe what was happening like I wasn't even allowed to settle like he wasn't allowed to put like water on the table beside me my bedside table or like he wasn't allowed to do anything for me before he left. Like he was just pushed out. And yeah, so I just had major abdominal surgery and now I have to be a mother for the first time to this tiny defensive unit. Um, so I think, but like she kept sleeping and I, my sister had told me, look, babies are really shocked when they come out first. They need time to adjust. I know they'll tell you to feed every three hours. Don't worry about it. Get to sleep because day two, you will feed nonstop and it will not stop until your milk comes in. Yeah. And then I think every five or six hours or so, someone will come and be like, have you fed that baby? And um, eventually it became, I was like I had said, look, she wasn't really that. I did try, but she fell asleep. She didn't really want it. So um so a healthcare assistant lovely woman came um the next morning and I was like right she can get out now we're going for a shower and I was like okay I'll look after my baby and she's like just leave the baby there and it's just so, it's so alien like it's so natural I was like what do you mean leave the baby there I was like, like what if someone takes her what if she stops breathing like like she's so new like she doesn't know what to do um and like security tag that was on her kept falling off <laughs> because like they don't tie around their tiny ankles properly so I was like anyone could rip that off and I was like oh it was just awful so I like I went for the world and all I wanted was a really long shower um, but I literally went for the world's quickest shower that it ever you know she had told me that I wasn't allowed to wash my hair anyway she didn't have time for that so I could wash that later when my partner came in so I was going for a quick body shower anyway so I did that and I went back and when I walked back in 
um, a midwife walked by the, you know, the tables you have in your bed and slammed a bottle of formula on it and kept walking. And then like this, more another midwife came in and I was like, who's that formula for? And she's like, your baby. And I was like, nope. I was like, I'm breastfeeding. Night two was pretty awful. Like she cried all the time unless she was feeding. Um, my nipples had begun to crack at that point. Um, I remember I had to go to the bathroom and I couldn't put her down because there was no one there to take her to like or to give her to to settle her. Um, there, and like I went into the bathroom and I had to like I had a nightdress on and I had to roll her up in the nightdress and go to the toilet. Um, there was a midwife that did kind of night shifts and she when she was finished her rounds she would come and like she would offer to take her for me for like 20 minutes um I just like I, I didn't mind her taking her but I didn't want her out of my sight you know that kind of way and there was another a young midwife um at night because I slept in the bed with Fola um and she was feeding all the time so there was no point in other ways and you know some midwives give out to you about that but she what she did was um I had no bars on that side so she rolled the cot over so that she couldn't fall out and um yeah and then like I'm the next day still feeding all the time so my milk was delayed because I'd had a section um and at this point I was now bleeding as well my nipples were bleeding and I was dreading every latch like dreading it I was like pounding my feet off the ground from the pain but yeah so like it's just I'd say every two to three hours midwife would come by and try and make me give formula um so like instead of supporting me and like dealing with the pain I was in and helping me through that it was pressure 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 to give formula um they got my days wrong so technically I shouldn't have been released to the Monday but they made a mistake and were like oh you can go home on the Sunday and I was not correcting them and I was like yeah yeah great 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 yeah um you just wanted and needed to get home to your own space your own environment with your partner and I think Covid amongst other things just really got in the way of the experience that you thought you would have I get COVID, like I'm quite aware of it. I, like obviously I have a newborn, like I have a, a baby now that hasn't been vaccinated. I'm quite like, I'm car- careful about it, but like things have to make sense and it makes no sense. Like if Damien had COVID and came into that hospital, he was going to spread that whether he was there for two hours or seven hours. And if he had COVID, then the likelihood at that point that we knew I had COVID because we were from the same household. So if I'm allowed to walk up and down the ward with no mask, why is he not allowed to do it with the mask? Like it just, none of it makes any sense. And I think that's the most frustrating part of it. Um, Like I said, someone was like, they've stolen the most magical moments of my life because um, your firstborn is supposed to be the most incredible experience and they've stolen it I cannot think about her like I think it was about three months after and I 
sat down and I was like, I can't think about her birth. I can't think about her first few days because it just, I was so upset. Darina, thank you so much for sharing your story. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to mention in the show notes a few people who I know can support others who have had an experience that was shocking to them or unexpected um, and I know that they will, they can help so that's what I'll do and yeah thanks again thank you so much I really appreciate that thanks William. no problem thanks Rena. as always if you would like to share your story you are more than welcome to you can find me on Instagram Ireland's birth stories or you can just visit the website so ireland'sbirthstories.ie Thanks again for listening and I will chat to you next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.